BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Hey, professional homegirls. It's your girl, Ebony, with a quick housekeeping note. Please keep in mind that this episode is part one. Part two will drop next week. Also, my guest does have a book out, so if you are interested in reading more about her life and or supporting her, please make sure to email me at hello at com. I really do hope you all enjoyed this week's episode. And until next time, everyone, later. Welcome. You are now listening to The Professional Homegirl. Homegirls, it's the kid Ebony from the PhD podcast, the only place where you would hear interviews from Black women anonymously on stories that would enlighten and expand on taboo topics. Now, if you hear someone that sounds familiar, mind the business that pays you, child. If you like the PhD podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please, five star reviews only. Hold me down, don't hold me up. Merch is now available on the site as well as my book list, so please make sure you visit the link in the show notes below. You can connect with the kid on Instagram at the Professional Homegirl and at the PhD Podcast. If you are on Twitter, please follow me at the PhD Podcast. Now, if you are all caught up with episodes, listen to the bonus episodes by supporting the PhD Podcast Patreon account. To support, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash the PhD Podcast. Now, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous, so let's begin this week's episode.
I found this professional homegirl on YouTube and her story is so powerful and very inspiring. Plus her story is close to home for me because my grandma Rose, who I never got a chance to meet, died from AIDS and received it from her husband who also died from AIDS. So I would really like to say thank you for being a part of the PhD podcast and sharing your story and shedding light on this topic because I feel like this is normal and I feel like a lot of people are not talking about it. So to my guests, how are you feeling? I'm doing well, actually. I feel really good. I'm super excited. Um, I was so happy when you reached out to me. I was just like, oh, shoot, I'm going to be on the radio. (laughs) 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 And the fact that um, you're Black, and I was just like, you know, I definitely want to support, you know. Also, congratulations on your newborn baby. Thank you. Thank you so much. She's so precious. I know. She's so yummy. Um, so how has the <laughs> pandemic been treating you and your family? Um, actually, in the beginning, it was very scary. Um, I actually went through a depression in the beginning of the pandemic um, because I actually found out I was pregnant. And, you know, the first trimester was horrible. So, uh, but now it's like, is it still here? <laughs> Girl. And you in the South, right? Yes, I am. Okay, yeah. So I know y'all outside, outside. Yeah, we got, yeah. <laughs> What made you want to share your story on YouTube? Um, that is funny because somebody asked me that before, and I actually didn't have an answer before. But I actually sat down and thought about like what really made me do this, and. I just remember when I first found out that I was HIV positive at the age of 19, I went on YouTube to look for um, somebody, at least somebody, you know, to encourage me or somebody out there that's living the way I had to, you know, um, the way I found out somebody young and, and is life after this, you know, because I didn't have any hope at the time. So I was like, I want to be that person to help somebody else because I remember I didn't have nobody you mm-hmm. know and I just I'm still shocked like I'm the way I'm talking I'm just like dang you did that because if somebody was to find out that they're HIV positive they can find me and understand that it is a life after HIV you are HIV you're human so that is the reason why I opened up and told the whole world my story, mm-hmm. regardless of what people would think of me. What has been some of the feedback you received since you've been more open about your life? Um, actually, negative and positive feedbacks, but of course, the positive outweighed the negative. Um, I had people inbox me or write me and say, um, even 13-year-old little girls or girls younger than that, that they ready to come out and tell what's going on with them, um, who's doing what to them, family members touching on them, um, mm. people who secretly kept HIV to themselves because they felt like it was nothing. It's women older than me, you know, said that, you know, I gave them hope, you know, about afterlife. Um, what I mean about afterlife is life after HIV, you know, mm-hmm. so... Um, but the negative comments, oh, it's my fault, you know, um, you deserve it. Um, why are you putting your business out? You know, but that lets me know maybe that person, e- either they've never been through nothing or they don't understand that, you know, 
you need somebody or you need some encouragement, you know, but sometimes people act like life never hit them before, you know, yeah. so. And also, because I know you are HIV positive, were you nervous about the coronavirus? Um, no. And you were pregnant too. Yeah, but no, I wasn't nervous at all because mm-hmm. I believe the promise that God gave me. And I always made that clear when I talk about my story that God made me a promise and I didn't understand it at first because I really didn't receive it at first, you know, but multiple people told me, you know, that's in the spiritual world that God was going to bless me and heal me. So some of the things that happened to you would have broken a lot of people. What do you think motivates you to keep going? Cause you've been through a lot of stuff. Honestly, God, mm-hmm. like God, when I say God, like he's been promising me, from the beginning that he got me and I didn't understand that at first, you know, um, I didn't want to believe it because <laughs> I'm like, well, God, if you promised me, then wh- why this happened to me? You know, why, why me? You know, mm-hmm. but he had to show me that I have a purpose and I understand that a lot of people is stuck. And, I'm, and sometimes I'm kind of confused of why, why be stuck unless you want to be stuck. But, you know, sometimes people, don't know how to come out of stuff because they don't have that support. They don't have that love. They don't know who God is. They don't embrace mother nature, you know? Um, So I understand because there was one point where I was stuck. I was confused. And I thought maybe if I move from city to city, because that is something I did at a young age, I just kept moving, hoping that, you know, something will happen for me or eventually I'll change or, you know, stuff like that. So I understand, but, Get up, breathe, trust God, pray about it. You can get out of it. Mm-hmm. So let's start from the beginning. So I pretty much watched all of your videos on you on your YouTube page, and I created a timeline of events that happened to you up until this point. So tell us about your upbringing. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Never, because, like, wow. <laughs> so... Honestly, I never had a childhood. And people will be I like, what the you same mean? way. I always do that. I feel like I never had a childhood. But go ahead. Like, people be like, what do you mean you never had a childhood? I never had a childhood. I never knew what it's like to be a child. You know, because from the age of eight that I can remember, see, sometimes things happen to people, trauma happens that you actually don't remember. Um, some mm-hmm. things that happened before. And I believe there's multiple things happening to me before because a family that I was in at the time, um, from the age of eight, I was being molested and raped um, by family mm-hmm. over, over, over and over and over and over and over. So it's like I went from being molested and raped to having having to raise my siblings because, you know, my mom at work or my mom was clubbing, you know, she, before she got saved, um, she was out there. You get what I'm saying? So, um I just had to be the big sister slash the mom. You know, I had to be an adult really early. And my mom was married into a family that was evil, that believed in incest. Like, when I said that, mm. is sleeping with each other. And regardless, blood or not, that's what they believe. They share each other. Um, Wait, so you're I, talking about your father's side of the family? No, my mom's ex-husband family. Mm, your stepfather. Right, my ex stepfather. Right. So, um, with my real father, um, he was in prison for um raping kids. 
he was in sex so um at the time I now that I'm older I understand what my mom did and why she was the way she was because she was stuck because my dad actually was my mom was one of the kids that my dad molested and she was a child and she had me so I was wait 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 wait. that's a lot yeah so actually I was born by a rapist and that's your real father that's in jail because he's a sex offender correct right and then she married your stepfather and his family took you in and they was molesting you and were raping you and having and they was doing stuff with their family members that they was incesting each other. Correct. Oh man, that's a lot. I don't Did you and your I, mom ever talk about this? I used to I was just about to say I used to blame her. I used to blame her right. for so much. Like I used to I used to blame her so much, but once I got older, I understand. I listened to the stories. I listened to both sides. And I could never blame her because she didn't know. She was a child. You know, um, when she met my real father, she was between the age of 15 and 16 years old. Um, what my real father did was he take um, kids between the age of 6 and 17 and call them, um, put them in the church together and call them preachers and pastors. And the whole time he's sleeping with them. He was a married man. The wife knew and everything. Um, also, I used to blame her because of what her ex-husband family did when she was so young. She didn't know how to be a mother. She didn't, she didn't know, she didn't know herself, you know, and she didn't even know what's going on. Even though my mom, I felt like, you know, that I felt like she should have known the signs because she know what it feels like to be raped and molested. Also, um, she know what it feels like to be used and manipulated. So I used to blame her, but now that I'm a mother, you know, you can't, can't know everything 24 seven, but see also another reason why I know I can't blame her because my mom always told us if somebody touched you, you come to her. And I, I didn't know my mom was molested um, until I got grown. Um, I didn't know she did. She ended up telling me I didn't know um, because, you know, she kept that stuff from us because we wouldn't understand at a young age. But she always said, like, when she picked us up from that family, hey, did anybody touch you down there? We used to lie. No. And I noticed that I told my husband this before. I feel like as black women, for some reason, um, children or an adult, we are so afraid to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, we are so afraid to speak, even if we feel uncomfortable um, about something. It's like we won't say anything. And that just lets me know that it started from the home, mm-hmm. you know, for for you to be fearful and feel like, well, maybe I just want to be that peacemaker. Um, when I decided to tell, um, I think I told around probably like I was like 10, maybe. Um, I finally said, you know what? Because I remember it was like two years later. I finally said enough was enough. And when I told that I was getting raped and molested by that family, my mom, ex-husband, um, put me in the room. Her, uh, my mom and my mom, ex-husband, was talking to me. They started asking me questions about, um, like, they were just basically interviewing me to, to see if I knew about sex. Um, if I really got, if it really happened, how would I know? Like, so I described things that I shouldn't have never described to them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if they believed me or not. But I remember that my mom told me to go to bed, that um, my mom, ex-husband followed behind me, gave me a flashlight, told me to leave the house. It was like 12, one o'clock in the morning. I know it was really late. 
Um, he had me to walk on a dark street with a flashlight. Now, where we stayed at the time, I knew that I was close to my my grandmother who passed away. God bless the dead. I love you, Brenda. Um, she passed away, and I knew for a fact my mission was to go to her house. I didn't know how I was going to get there. I was going to run and somebody tried to kidnap me, but I knew that was my best friend. I, that's who I needed to get to. So, like, as I was walking up, not to interrupt you, but this is your mom's mom. Yes. Mm-hmm. so um I was walking down the street with the flashlight and I started crying because I felt like you know it's my fault because his words were you need to leave my house because you're trying to break up my family and I didn't know at the time that that family was like that you know I didn't know that they covered each other up you know um you know, if somebody get molested, they bury it. You know, I didn't know that. So I'm just like, it's my fault. I should never said nothing. I should have kept it to myself. But that's not how life works. You know, that's not normal. Because eventually I thought it was normal. So I continue to let it happen to because me. Because that's all I'm you know. Normal. Right. But when did you so, find out, like, when did you find out that the fam- like there was incest going on in the family, that that's what his family did like did people people talking about in the family or because like you just started putting two and two together because you were young at the time well at the time I used to watch it they used to do it in front of me um so when I got older I started to realize that that's not normal that's nasty um it's not right you know it took me till I got older to understand but I actually see it with my own eyes damn I can only imagine how fucked up like how that really messed with your psyche and you a kid like you're a baby (laughs) yeah yeah that's fucking disgusting um do you have any like positive like happy memories growing up no Mm. i i mean no no right did you ever tell your grandma what happened i honestly don't remember I honestly don't remember. And that's crazy. I never thought about that. But I honestly don't remember. Well, I'm pretty sure when you got around her, you probably forgot about like a lot of things because that was like a happy space for you. Or you I didn't did. want to think about certain things. Right. I did because when I got gang raped by my godbrothers, um, I don't know if you and watched I wasn't that. Gonna, yeah, I wasn't going to bring it up because I felt like it's, it, you had a lot going on. So I didn't want to bring up certain things because I didn't know if it was going to trigger you or not. But since you brought it up, yeah, I saw that you said that you got gang raped by, I think, three or four of your, four of your brothers, god brothers? Yes, it was three. Um, I honestly forgot about that until I turned 18 years old. What and I finally remember? my mom. I have no clue. Um, I don't know. For some reason, it seems like when you have trauma, things don't come up or you try mm-hmm. to not remember things. But I, maybe maybe it what triggered it was that I was thinking when I first had when I first finally you know decided to give up my virginity it didn't hurt you know it didn't give what people said it would give and painful mm-hmm. bleeding I didn't get none of that um so I was like why does it not hurt why does it why do I not feel anything I feel numb to it you know sex is not what people made it seems like so before we continue on with the uh, conversation I wanted to ask you this question. Do you think incest is common? Because I feel like a lot of people don't talk about it, but it seems like it happens a lot within certain households. 
I believe that it happens in majority in a lot of people's homes. Um, people don't talk about it. Um, just like how I was at a young age, I thought it was normal. Um, sometimes people don't even come out of it. I know people to this day still sleep with their cousin. Listen, I definitely think that there's a lot of cousins out there that sleep together. That's a fact. They definitely do. Um, a lot of times people don't talk about it because it's a normal thing in a household. Matter of fact, um, the grandmother who I was attached to uh, from that family, um, she actually told me to stay with um, my ex-husband, even though he did everything that he did. Also, she told me just basically deal with whatever he did to me, um, even though he is um, a bisexual man that I should still stay with him. Um, even though he's dating a man now, um, she also told me, you know, basically she knew what was going on, what's going on in her home and she mm. brushed it off. So um, she did pass away um, recently, actually. And I said, even though she was the way she was, she did take care of me. You know, um, sometimes as us blacks, I would say that because I've seen a lot um Sometimes even when a person do something to us, it's like we still have a heart. We still love them and care for them. And I sometimes I hate that I'm like that, but I believe that that's just how I'm built. Mm-hmm. Because even though the person um, that molested me at eight years old, um, I forgave him because I see him a couple times before. And his wife even reached out to me and asked me, about the situation I told her the truth and the thing the reason um family talked about it I'm pretty sure family brought it up um to her and she asked me about it and coming to find out she have a similar story and something happened to her around that age and Mm. then she married a man you know so it's like you can tell that she think it's normal because she's still married to him and she had kids right after that. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. scary. And it's like, how do you protect the kids? Right. Um, and that's and that's what happened with me. Um, I'm very overprotective. I don't let my children live. And, and you got three why, girls. Right. That's why I'm currently in counseling for that. Um, because when you sing so much at a young age and now, because like I told you before, my real father, he's still a pastor, you know, what he's doing, you get what I'm saying? So it's like, wait, 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 mm-hmm. I, real father is a, he's a pastor, but how is he a pastor and a sex offender? He's a bishop and a sex offender. Wow. Listen, I tell you, like I tell people that ask me that, that between him and God, because sometimes I don't understand it. I don't understand how you're a bishop and you're sleeping with men and knowing that their wives are there, you know. Um, kids. Right, exactly. You know, that's between them and God, and they have to be accountable for that. Right. Well, I know by the age of 13, you spoke about how you had a rich white sugar daddy. So how did you meet him? Because I know you had another one when you was 18. So, um, okay, so when I was like 13, he was actually black. He was a black um, guy. Mm -hmm. Um, I was selling CDs for my parents. Um, My mom had got remarried to my dad. Not my real father, my stepdad, but you know, I don't call him stepdad. Um, She got married to my dad and um, 
they was they started a singing group because my parents like my mom now she's really saved like she wasn't like that back then she's really saved and my dad is too so they started a gospel group or whatever and my parents know I'm a hustler so mm-hmm. <laughs> they have to sell the CDs because I can sell a dog a bone like mm-hmm. well you do have that personality <laughs> <laughs> so um selling cities and this guy um this older man he was talking to me and i mean i knew what sugar daddy was because my mom had one my aunties had one so i knew how the game go you know it's up to you what you're going to do about it and i was a child so i didn't know but um he talked to me we um we exchanged numbers i just couldn't figure out why he was only able to call me i didn't mm. understand that because I was a child you know but um, once I turned a certain age, when I got grown, um, he kind of cut me off. And I was telling my husband as I was writing writing um, my book, I was talking to my husband about it. And I said, I just didn't understand. And I said, wait a minute. Are you telling me that this man was a sex offender? And I didn't know. Because who the heck would talk to a 13-year-old child all the way up until she turned 18? Were y'all sexually active? No. Mm. He wanted to, though. Mm. But, you know, me, I was like, mm, no, okay. Like, I was, I was, like, scared. So, it's like, when I'm, like, when I actually see him again at the age of 18, he found out I was, um, no, the last time I saw, no, no, I was 17 years old, and he wanted to sleep with me. I was like, I just can't do it. <laughs> Like, I knew for a fact I just couldn't do it. You know, the money's good, but I don't think it was worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he found out I had turned 18 right after that, that's when we cut ties. So I found out and realized that I believed that he was a sex offender because he was old enough to be my granddad. So mm. why would you be talking to a 13-year-old girl? said about me being in life, I think it's normal. So, you know this was a normal thing to me men like older men talk to young girls like because of things that I saw I thought it was normal mm-hmm. yeah so I'm just curious were you active in school like were you going to school on a regular basis yes I was because I I asked somebody else this question it was a uh, one of my guests and she was uh physically and sexually abused by her stepfather and it just makes me think about how teachers used to play like a very pivotal role when we was growing up in school and I always felt like nobody in school saw the signs of like things that you was going like something was going on with you as a kid well see um (laughs) actually we're supposed (laughs) to talk about this soon um so basically what I didn't understand was how the teachers, the principals, did not sing the signs. Like when right. a person is being molested, the signs are rebellion, um, attention. You know, um, I was very rebellious, and I was I was like seeking for attention. And the kids used to treat me so bad in school. Like people treated me like I was a disease. But what people don't know was like I was going to school, and turned around, went home to get molested. Now, another thing that um, I wrote in my book was when I, my the first time it was going on, I actually went to another school. Now, I didn't mention until my subscribers on YouTube that 
I had an IEP at one point because my mom didn't understand why I was the way I was. So she put me in ESE. She thought I was just like acting out. But in reality is I was being molested. So I was crying out for uh-huh. help. Right. And so in like so many ways, it's like, what can I do for you to understand that I'm crying for help? Like, what else I have to do? So I just started being so bad to where she just couldn't handle me anymore. So they started putting me on meds and all kind of stuff, but nobody knew what was going on. Like, you know, there was one time that when I said enough was enough, you know, um, he punched me in my head. You know, yeah. so I was like, at that point, it was just at force. You know, I shouldn't have to went through that. And it didn't stop for a very long time. But when I actually did start talking about it, you know, it just went left. So I believe after that, I have never told anyone else about molestation or rape because I was just afraid of what happened the first time. Right. You know, and, and I thought my mom had something to do with that, but she didn't. So, right. So at the age of 18, you said you started stripping and you actually really enjoyed it. So how did you oh, get yeah. into? <laughs> how did you get it? <laughs> I think I throw a little lightness in there before we start talking about <laughs> other stuff. How did you get into dancing? Um. Okay. So let me tell you, your girl was like. When I tell you at seventeen, I was just this girl who just felt like life was hard. You know, it's time for me to get some money. So I got a little job at Wendy's. Wendy's was not paying nothing. At that time, Wendy's was paying like $8 an hour. So I was just like, you know, I need some money. This ain't enough. So my cousin actually, um, she had introduced stripping to me. And I knew I had the body because, you know, I had no kids. I got a big body. I was like, I could put this to use because I always had a sugar daddy growing up. So I know I got to be some type of bad. And then it's like, Older men, they, like, always was attracted to me, and I never understood that at a young age. So I took advantage of the fact that I have, like, at the time, I looked at, like, um, innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I used my innocent eyes um, because I'm really young. So at 18, I went to the strip club, and I lied and told them that I knew what I was doing, and I used to strip like it wasn't nothing. Honey, I couldn't even twirl around a pole, but the girls was nice enough um, to help me and, and educate me when it came down to stripping. Once I got a, I like a hang of it or whatever, um, <laughs> your girl was making bank, <laughs> but How I was not smart. Um, let's see. The most I made in one night was like $4,000. Damn, what's going on? But that's good for where I'm from. Like from in yeah, Jacksonville, yeah. these clubs ain't really that good unless you go to like mascaras or something. Four thousand dollars in one night, that's amazing. <laughs> I did a um I didn't do nothing crazy, but you know, I did clap a little titties here and there. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> No, but seriously, I did a video shoot. Um it was this guy, he was a rapper or whatever. Um and he wanted to pay the strippers to, you know dance for him so that was the like the most money I made because of that um and I was like like um like clapping my breasts in the video shoot so once I became a mother when I had my oldest child I immediately went to YouTube and reported that video so much to YouTube take it down Mm. um why because because I was embarrassed. Like, at that time, I was young. I was free. I didn't have a husband. I didn't have any kids. So I was living my best life that I thought. 
But um, <laughs> but once I got like got with my husband, the video was already like gone. So I couldn't even show him because I honestly wanted to show him just in case somebody was to try to go to my husband and be like, oh, yo, oh, your wife did this. No, I did that. My husband already know who Valentina is. He met Valentina before and Valentina was my stripper name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Valentina. So, that's like a little ego thing situation. <laughs> So what made you decide to move to Tallahassee? Um, so my dad had um got out of prison. You know, for a for you, not to cut you off, but is it rare for you keep for you to say your dad? Um, no. Okay. It's it's like it's normal because in reality he is my real father, no matter how much I really don't like it. Because I tried to convince my mom that I don't believe that's my dad and that she won't tell me who my real dad is, but that's my dad. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so um okay, so I have this thing where I tell you guys on YouTube that um, the medicine, the HIV medicine that I'm on makes me forget. So I do not remember what you asked me. No, you're good. So I asked you what made you uh, move to Tallahassee? So my real dad had got out of prison, reached out um, to me. And before then, my sister, um, I would just ride in the car with my mom. And I was like, have you heard from my sister? Like my real sister on my dad's side. And she said no. And I was like, I don't know why I asked that because I haven't talked to her in years and we like have a huge age gap. Like she's way older than me. So she's like 10 years older than me, I believe. Um, so for some reason, you know, Messenger um, on Facebook at the time, you couldn't really see when somebody sent you a message request. You have to actually go in there. For some reason, I was playing with Messenger and I found it. And I seen that my real sister reached out to me. So we started talking on the phone and um, all of that stuff. And I just had a miscarriage. So I was kind of like vulnerable. Um, And, you know, she encouraged me to move down there. And um, she wanted my real dad to get in touch with me to basically convince me to move to Tallahassee. So I ended up moving to Tallahassee. In reality, I believe I was just supposed to just go and visit. Uh-huh. Didn't come back home, but I ended up staying there to go to school. And also, you was going to church a lot, and you said that a pastor came up to you and told you that a man was about to enter your life, and he was going to do you no good. Do you sometimes blame yourself for not believing the signs that God was giving you? Um, I used to blame myself, uh-huh. but I feel like we all you know fall short we all do things that we shouldn't have done and it's nothing that we can do about it I can't go I can't just sit and just like like man I wish I would have did this I wish I would did that because hey I wish I would have did right by my stripper money I'd probably be further than where I am you know but um I can't just dwell on that and uh, her name is Apostle Betty Lovett um if you're in Tallahassee Florida I definitely recommend her church she's a very awesome woman of God she's very truthful um, she definitely been telling me for a very long time that God told me to leave him alone and that I was going to meet somebody and they're going to be no good. Um, and matter of fact, I didn't talk about this on YouTube at all. Like this is probably my first time mentioning this, but she actually met me prior to, before all of this happened, before she even told me that she actually wanted me to come to her church and sit down and talk to me. And she told me in her own like, oh my God, I like remembering this is just crazy. But she told me she was like, I see something on the news. Mm. Something bad. 
about me. And I was just like, what? Who was somebody going to try to kill me? Do I need to move back home? And she actually told me me moving from Jacksonville was actually a good thing because somebody was trying to kill me in Jacksonville. So the time I was going to college, I was doing really good. Um, but, you know, I got caught up in a man. But she told me beforehand, you know, that something was going to happen and it was going to end up on the news and the whole entire situation ended up on news six months later. So she was not lying. Everything that she told me came to pass. Yeah. Okay, so how did you meet your ex-husband? <laughs> I actually met him. Um, he actually came to my house like she said he was. Um, he helped my dad bring up the TV for my sister because my dad is an older man. And, you know, my ex-husband is a little younger. So um, he brought up the TV up the stairs for my sister and put in her room they was in there having a conversation me and my dad was talking in the living room so I really was not paying him any attention but um I noticed when um they was walking out he kept staring at me but I knew I was sexy so I knew why he was staring at me but I was trying to basically at first push him on my sister I was like you know make it seem like he was flirting with her or whatever um mm-hmm. and they was laughing at, laughing at each other about a situation, but I knew for a fact he was trying to come on to me. And how old was he when y'all met? Um, when we met, I think he was like between the age of thirty-four and thirty-five. I think he was like thirty-five. And you was yeah, nineteen was at the time. Yes. So when did y'all start to date? Um, so when he had left um a little bit afterwards, like we were still keeping like in contact, talking to each other. Um, but see, at the time, I didn't know that he left to be with a man. I thought he left to be with family, but coming to find out, he was actually with men. Um, so he came mean? back. Wait, what do you mean he left? Like he left the town? So basically, um, it's crazy, but I found out, you know, he was actually a sex offender also. Um, so he got on probation for being a sex offender. Um, he went out of town for a little while to be with his men friends, and then he came back um, to Tallahassee to live, you know, where he was at. And um, I didn't know that at the time. So he actually gave my dad around Christmas, he gave my dad a promise ring to give me because he had somewhere else to go. Um, so when he came back, that's when we started actually dating. And we actually had sex for the first time. And you and said then you said he took the condom off. Yes, he did. So it's crazy. Listen, I know, but it was so good. So I mm-hmm. I didn't even want to stop. I never had a penis like that before. You know, I'm young. It's an older man. I ain't never had no real, you know, saying thing, thing, thing. So I thought it was okay, you know. But afterwards, me not thinking, me being so young minded, I didn't I asked him, I was like, like for you to do that do you trust me Mm. like you trust me I could have had anything and the thing is now what I should have asked is do you trust him you don't even know this man like why would you when he snuck that condom off you should have got up and said no I'm okay you know you you just so oh it was not that it wasn't worth it baby (laughs) like I tell myself that now did you see him sneaking off or you felt the difference didn't I just knew ain't no way in heck this man like penis is this good but then I realized he was struggling like he had pulled out for a second and I'm just like uh is everything okay when I turned around I noticed that he was struggling to put the condom back on 
So this concludes this week's episode. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please make sure to email me at hello at the phgpodcast.com. Part two will be dropping next week. As always, thank you so much for supporting the kid. And until next time, everyone, later. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details what's out there is unknown so at uc san diego out we go because to take on the challenges of the here and now you gotta get your feet wet your eyes open and your mind out there way out there turning the unknown into cures culture and connections with each step forward so pack a bag a notebook and some sandals and get ready to look far and think further uc san diego Learn more at ucsd.edu.